Hello, friends and listeners. Arizona, the band, not the state, is one of the top 100 streamed bands in the world the last two years, with over a billion streams of their music since their first album in 2017. We have creators of all kinds on Below the Line, going deep into the real, unpolished versions of their stories, as well as diving into the psychological approach to creation that they take. And today we have one of my favorite bands, Arizona, on the show to talk about what the journey has been like, what the journey is like as artists and musicians. We cover many topics like where they were 10 years ago, the path to creating their band, and what it's like to be musicians on that tour of the world uh, in 2019. Their second album just dropped, so be sure to check that out. But before you do, get to know their story here. And if you dig below the line, we'd love a review. It's how podcast platforms rank and suggest podcasts, so every review matters. And if you're one of the folks that have already left a review, especially all the five-star reviews we've gotten, thank you so much. Know that we appreciate and read every single one. Below the Line is brought to you by Playcast Media. Go to playcastmedia.com to get everything you need for a professional premium podcast for your home, office, studio, wherever you, you want to put it. It's so simple to get up and running with a premium professional podcast with all of the professional gear. It is a premium podcast in a box. One click, purchase, boom, and it's on your doorstep everything you need. No more kind of searching Amazon of which wires connect to which, which recorder you need to get, which microphones you need to get, which headphones, just all of that stuff is taken care of with Playcast Media. And they help you with editing and getting going with all of the consulting uh, and production that you need to get a professional premium podcast up and online. So go check them out, playcastmedia.com. That's playcastmedia.com. Without further ado, Let's get into it with Arizona. This is Below the Line. The fucking fade out, dude. I feel like I just walked into a church service. And the church of life. All right. You did? That was pretty good. Hey, we're going to go back to, we're live, and I'm going to include the last... 10 seconds in. Okay, sweet. The, cool. Let's go. We are here in Las Vegas, Nevada at Life is Beautiful Music Festival. And I've got Dave, Zach, and Nate from Arizona, the what band, up? not the state. Yo. One of my... Hello. One of my... And we also have Jake, the Side world's lines. greatest manager, uh, right on the sidelines watching us, <laughs> watching me and every question I lob yep. their way. Um, just no, lean into me, guys. Whenever you want to pick, just lean in. I'll, I'll give it to you. And we only have yes. And for listeners, I only have two microphones, and uh, and so we got one for the band, which you know it's um, still learning, still learning how to do this podcasting thing. But I can't articulate how appreciative I am, how appreciative I am of you all taking the time to chat with me today on this podcast that I know I've sent y'all's way. We've been friends for years and I've sent y'all's way uh, since I started earlier this year. And I've been really looking forward to this episode because it's with creators of a different sort. It's not, you know, startup founders. It's with some of the best musicians, honestly, and for listeners that don't know, some of the best musicians and producers of music out there in the world right now. I friggin' love y'all's music, man. But, uh, but even more, love y'all as humans and, and people. So really excited for today's episode. It's an honor. Yo, I've been stoked about this. 
I love doing podcasts, man. We tried one for fun for like a night. We did one other time, a real, like a real, like actual experience of one. And like when I found out that like you were doing this, I was like, wow, that's going to be probably a relatively spiritual experience. Well, this, so thank you, Zach. Yeah, that's and for listeners, that's, that's Zach, uh, the lead singer. And, and just as a, I guess, formality mm-hmm. round of introduction, would you like to introduce yourselves or you want me to kind of go break down? I'm David. I visibly play keys on stage. That's the above the line. <laughs> yeah, what's the below the, the below line? the line? I don't know if there are words to describe. I don't know, Zach, how would you describe it? Essentially, Dave runs the entire other half of of Arizona like as an entity as a company so like everything that comes with setting up uh tours logistically um gear wise and what it's gonna you know what it's gonna take to get it to look like a certain way or be a certain way which also sort of falls under his you know thing is uh all very Dave he also does it for um production in general so even things that are not live on tour just all the gear we use it's all in house. It's not just stuff. like, it's hey, hey, other record label just figure it all out. It's all in house. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I guess I'm kind of like Q. Yeah, he is Q. All right. To our okay. James Bond. He's just that dude. Like, if you want Caltrops to come out of a Honda Civic, you know what I'm saying? Some people go to, Whatever you know, that Air, is. some people go to like areadenialweapons.com. We have Dave. You know what I mean? Like, that's just that's figuring things out. That's basically what it is. Yeah, that's actually really helpful. Mainly from the there's nothing about that online. Like when you look up you guys online, obviously when you listen to the music or when you see you live, you can't actually see the below the line. And I've seen it over time of just whether it's setting up for a gig in uh, in in Brooklyn or LA or uh, the graphic design. I know that that comes from Dave, but you don't see that listed anywhere. This is going to be cool. So I'd love to hear the above the line and the below line for for each of y'all. Yeah, I mean that's that's Dave. Everything that that looks or feels or is Arizona when you see it in the world, whether it's digitally or physically, that's Dave doing it, um, both logistically and in in execution. So, so above the line, yeah, just plays keys. But that's that's yeah, similar, I guess, for me. It's like above the line. I'm like the lead singer, quote unquote, right? Um, or is it end quote? I forget. Whatever. Uh, uh, quote. Dan Carlin, sorry. The um the above the line is that, but for me the below the line is uh I sort of take up another part of I guess the company where it's like we have a lot of there's a lot that goes into taking what essentially was a for fun project and kind of as a joke and a bunch of homies that just came together in a moment. Um and made some music and then turned into this it's like how do you keep that alive in the music industry um how do you deliver things on time how do you sort of deal with the ins and outs of of keeping yourself i guess on on track when it comes to you know we have an expectation set upon us to to make this type of music in the form of like an album or like an ep or a, or a body of work sometimes we have to deliver singles or whatever it is and they have to sort of coincide with things um that happen throughout our year and that is something that interfaces a lot with other teams that aren't us you know like the label or like the public whatever it is you know there's a lot of different teams that we work with and so i think that keeping that on track is kind of what i help in a perfect world that's what i like to help to do because i think the 
important thing for us is that we all just remain in that fun space and remain creative. So I like to take the load of trying to handle keeping music a business when it needs to be, um, as far as getting things out on time, but it's limiting that. that I've been doing for a long time. So, right. Not making it all business all the time. Yeah. Just like, you know, worrying about developing Arizona musically and as a brand, like when I, you know, when I have to, but with these guys, we could just keep it again in a perfect world. We just keep it creative, you know? Yeah. And, um, well, there's so much to unpack there. Um, but before I do, yeah, and then and we got then, Nate Dog. Nate Dog, yeah, I was gonna say Nate Dog. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yo, I'm Nate. I play guitar, and uh, and do uh, cool shit. <laughs> that is the most Nate answer. Yeah, that literally below the line. That is like the only way to describe what what, what Nate, Nate does, does. <laughs> which is he does cool shit. <laughs> it's true. Like, there's a bunch of shows that we will play sometimes, and like I'll get off stage. These kids will come up to me and be like, yo, dude, that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it happens, but it does. Just what is what is an example actually because I know that you're gonna be humble about it. What is an example, Dave or Zach, what comes to mind of something that's just hard to articulate that Nate okay. brings like, to like the crew? If I'm putting stuff together, like I'm like your you're kind of straight up the middle sort of brick and mortar type of guy and Nate's the dude that comes in is like let's put a glass panel here you know what I mean so like it, Nate is always pushing us outside of what we are for at least for me like at least he's always pushing me to look beyond and care less about what's practical and just be like let's do this because it's cool mm -hmm. um so, for instance, Hangout Music Festival this past year, Nate bought this inflatable unicorn. Oh, I saw this on Instagram. It started with you. Yeah, I was. I went to Target because I just I was looking for a little unicorn, just like a, you know, one person unicorn. And I'm going through their summer section, and I find a six person unicorn boat, <laughs> complete with cup holders and a space for a cooler. And I look at it and I go, we have to go crowd sailing. So Which I, is not a term I've ever even heard before, crowd sailing. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're in a boat, it's sailing. You're not sailing. <laughs> That's so accurate. Yeah. That is so true. So I bought this boat. We took it out to hang out. It took me like an hour and a half to blow it up. And then oh, God. I went sailing. And after the set, Khalid was there watching our set. And after the set, he comes up to us and he goes, yeah, that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> There you go. That is and, a, that's a pretty pretty we have damn it on good, good authority that like after that he's actually asked his team for one. So it's hey. whoa, he's whoa. Yeah, so wow. it's one of those things where like I mean, next time we see him, we yeah, might, practi might not bring practical one, mind but wouldn't think of that. It, uh, but I, when I saw, and I will say, when I saw it on on Instagram, I was blown. Away. It was. It is, and people just it, listeners can can find this on y'all's. I imagine you can find it on your Instagram channel still, but I remember seeing it maybe it was like on uh, your story. And uh, yeah, I'd never seen that before. And it was, did all of y'all go out? Well, so Dave, Dave was still on stage because he's tethered as of right now to a key station, and yep. like a tracks rig. But we're working very hard to peer pressure him into making the leap into the keytar so that he can go wireless and do, you know, shit like that with Hell us. Oh, yeah. But no, we all got out there. It was difficult, awesome. um, long and short of it. I didn't think I was going to make it on there, but I did. Um, and it was really weird and crazy experience. But it was definitely a moment that I would not have ever 
you know, of, of my own will created. And I think that like to punctuate the this, this statement, it's funny because Nate's almost the most interesting of us in that way. Like to punctuate that whole thing with Nate below the line, what it really is, is like <clears throat> because Dave and I behind all of these doors that don't really make it out, like just amongst us. Right. But like Dave and I are so focused on on so many day to day things in the way of like running an operation. Nate keeps us rock and roll. You know, and that's like kind of, uh, you know, it's like if the shit's not metal, we're not doing it. And if it's going to have an impact on on people that are going to be there that day or people that are going to scroll past us that that, you know, evening or people that are going to show up to this thing on that one day, whatever it is. Right. Like there has to be an X factor to it. That's not just like, wow, what a great production or like, wow, the songs are so good. There has to be something else that people walk away with. And that's something that I think Nate is, is the most in touch with of all of us. Like he just knows because, and I mean, he can elaborate this as we go on, I guess, you know, through different parts of what we talk about. But like, basically, he just grew up in a world that we didn't. Like, he grew up in a world where like a fan experience on such a below the bar level for like shows that weren't the type of stuff that we're doing was the only thing that you had to make an impact. Yeah, and I know a little, a little bit of it. Hold on, Jake. I want to get you in this too. I got a call in three minutes. You have a that is the most manager thing ever <laughs> to loop you into an interview saying you got to bounce for a call. But real quick, give your above the line and below the line version of of the manager, which God total below the line um, type of role. What is yeah? What's above the above the line, line below the line? Uh, my name is Jake Posner, and as of about four and a half years ago, five years ago, I wasn't even a manager, um, and I stumbled upon the first video that these boys threw on the internet. I was blown away. My background was music and marketing and I wrote for blogs. I knew how I've seen acts go from nothing to something on the internet. And I just was, all I wanted to do was help and just figure out how do we do it. Um, and over the last bunch of years, you know, everything has grown and it's been amazing to see. And I think above the line, you see a lot of just the, the festival looks and just the growth of the band on streaming below the line. I think it's for me, um, I'm kind of, the central hub of communications between everyone that we deal with. Um, and it's my job to basically make their lives as easy as I possibly can. So like right now, for example, I'm about to step out to a call. Um, we're talking to Arizona Ice-T, who we've been trying to work with for a very long time now. Um, Which we'll, we'll, I hope we touch on in the episode too, uh, <laughs> because that is a very uh, oh, relevant, relevant it, brand. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, above the line, it's like, look, I think all of us, they're the band. You see them as the band performs on stage. Below the line, there's so much that they do that's off stage that no one really sees. The same thing for me. I'm, you know, I'm on the business side. I'm the face of 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 Arizona. If you want to talk to, about the band, talk about anything, you know, you talk to me below the line. You know, I try to keep the ship afloat every single day and moving forward. But, you know, I think that's there's so many ways to where I think it's so cool because when you do peel the layers back, you really do understand and appreciate what it is that everyone does. And I have such a great appreciation for what each of these guys do. And you too, man. And for, for everyone listening too, James has been a mentor to me, to the band. I mean, there's so much to, 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 to what gets us to be able to even do that 90% below. I just do it for the free tickets. True. To the shows. And it's, hey, it's, a, it's, hey, it's, it's a pretty it's good, good deal. Pretty good trade. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you guys do it for the free tickets too. <laughs> That's me. Well, thank you, Jake. I'll let you get to the call. Uh, but and we are and by the way for listeners uh you're hearing a lot of noise in the background that is the festival going on they're doing a lot of um 
uh, I imagine they're prepping for today's huge lineup, and of which Arizona is uh, is my favorite act playing today. And that's not that's not BS, and it, it really is uh, the musical talent that you guys have is is pretty unreal. And and we're going to touch on you know the below the line version of where the music comes from in your own stories. There's so much uh, that you also touched on in calling it a business, uh, calling it an operation that I don't think I fully appreciate as someone not, not familiar with how the music world worked, um, had a few friends or artists, but you, you really think of it as an artist just kind of in a studio like a painter would be and then just puts it out there, not having a full appreciation for how much goes into one creating the art music that you all create, but also the business side of it because it is so much, as we gotten to know each other over the years, it is so much like a, a startup so much more like a startup than I ever really knew. Um, but before we get into into that side of things, you know, they, the adage is every every overnight success, 10 years in the making. Talk to me about where you all were individually 10 years ago. And how old were you 10 years ago? Oh, where were you? What were you doing? Yeah. 2009? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael Jackson had passed and I was graduating high school in 2009. And what was your relationship with music then? Let's take it super deep. So I was born in a Asian American household. Uh, my parents came to America from the Philippines, and with that comes a lot of cultural nuance, and also this uh, living vicariously through the children. So my parents, growing up, they they had a keyboard in the house and they saw that I was into it. And then they started investing in lessons for me. And that came to be a, a classical, um, you know, a classical training in piano. Mm -hmm. Like my private teacher, she was also, uh, because we live so close to New York City, it, it, these types of things happen where my private teacher was also teaching at Juilliard and at Manhattan School of Music. Oh, wow. So I, I was pretty fortunate to have somebody like her. And when did you start lessons with, with her? Oh, when I was like six. Oh, wow. So it was, um, you know, I was playing, doing recitals and stuff like that very early on. Um, and then, you know, I also grew up in a religious household. And so I, I grew up playing in church and that's where I learned how to, what my parents call playing by ear, but basically that's where I learned how to play other genres, you know, pop, gospel, rock. Um, cause, cause in church you play, you kind of play all of it. And that's, you see that a lot amongst touring musicians today. Like they grow up in the church, but that means that they could play anything. And it's really, it's actually just really interesting to, pursue a little bit further. It's, yeah. I think the conception, at least in my head is grow up in the church. Like, okay, that's kind of, you're locked into a certain style or maybe limited by anything that you play needs to have a, a praise and worship, a component to yeah, it. But, I mean, but you're saying it actually exposes in, you to all kinds of different. Yeah. I genres. would say like within the church, you, you, like you, you rarely play secular music, but you're always playing music that's styled after multiple things. And so that's where the wide range of it happens. You know, you're playing everything from like hymnal pieces all the way up to, you know, gospel. And then I, I grew up in that era of like really awesome 
CCM where there was tons of national money going into it. So you're talking about the top production. What is CCM? Uh, like contemporary Christian music. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like the top production at the time in the 90s, which has a certain sound, has a certain feel. Um, and they were doing what what we would consider pop if it didn't have religious lyrics. Mm. And that evolved also kind of leaning into rock as well in the in the early 2000s. Um, and so that's where you get the wide gamut of ranges of, of genre that, that you end up learning how to play because you play in the church. The, I promise this is all connected. The funny, the funny thing about that is, so the, my pastor growing up was the Jonas Brothers' father. So oh, wow. Papa, Papa Jonas. Um, and so through that, one of their and where, and where was this? This was in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Okay, deep in the burbs. There we go. Um, the burbs. Deep in the burbs. Yeah, and so and and you know he he did a lot of investing in my life as well. Like you know seeing me play on platform and kind of helping me hone my skills. And was he? Did he have a musical background? Yeah, he's he's a tremendous singer himself. And, oh wow! And a and a writer as well. And so. Music was always a big part of the church because that was such a big part of who he was mm-hmm. as a person. And then through through that, you know, I I also was really interested in the technical side of audio. And the church was also a place where I could learn that because it's not like, you know, the church always needs volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it's always the young kids that are like, I, I'm into the technical stuff. They're always the ones that pick up that that audio skill and we just so happened to have somebody that was older volunteering at the church also doing sound. And he saw that I was picking it up very rapidly and he decided to start investing in me and teaching me all this stuff um, and how to do it properly. And wow, that's how, yeah, that it would be hard to replicate that you can't like 14 year old can't go on tour. Yeah, to learn this, this exactly. And like, I think a lot of these touring professionals today, like you would find that either they went to like, some sort of performing arts high school where they had the opportunity to to be on a console and to mic people up and all mm-hmm. that or or you end up doing it at the at the church like it's one of those things where it's a funny situation where you have access to the gear but you don't need to be well trained in order to use it mm-hmm. so anyway the guy that started teaching me how to do audio ended up becoming our mentor PJ Bianco um, who was producing and writing for the Jonas Brothers. And so in that time, I mean, it was so funny how it happened. He was writing with them so much that he ended up opening up a studio down the street from my house. And so after school, I would go and try to hang out at the studio. Like, oh, like, what does this do? What does that do? And, you know, he'd let me sort of, barring my parents calling him and being like, Dave needs to come home and do his homework. Um, you know, I would try to be there around that same time. It must have been like middle school, high school, you know, uh, Zach and I were going to the same middle, middle school and we ended up at the same high school and Zach, I mean, he'll tell his part of the story, but he was also working with PJ and were you all friends or just bump into each other? At that point in time, we were like rival interns, (laughs) if you will. Like there were always tasks to be done at the studio, like wrapping cables, clean up the room, 
and and we would always try try to fight for that stuff and try and to be the best. Was this this was kind of near the height of Jonas Brothers? This was like Mania? right at the top, like right at the beginning. This was uh, for the, all the Jonas Brothers fans out there. This this was Mandy era, or <laughs> yeah. le- leading up into the Mandy era. <laughs> I, um, I kind of view my my historical life in terms of the different Jonas Brothers. Yeah, eras. Same, yeah. yeah. I mean, right, right. You know, literally, Mandy I mean, was a crazy time for all of us. <laughs> so, uh, actually, yeah, and then and then there came this decision point where like I wasn't really hanging out enough, but I knew enough. But my parents were like, we brought you all the way here from the Philippines. Uh, you need to go to college. And and my interest in the technical side of doing creative stuff had expanded so much to include visuals. And at that point in time, I was making like stop motion Lego movies in my bedroom, like tr- just diving deep. Cause right. And so like creation in all forms. You well, got, why did you get into the technical side of stuff? I don't even know this. My, technical oh, side, so the I classical got into, training. My parents were video, computer visuals. programmers, right? Oh, oh awesome. My, my mom programs uh, SAP, business mm-hmm. software. And my father is a mainframe, like a uh, machine level programmer. Interesting. So the technology was always in the house, right? Like I was playing around with DOS super early on like I, I knew what a command line was like my mom was learning html when i was in the first grade and i learned it with her wow. you know so like i have this weird technical background just simply by what my parents did and th- that meant we always had a computer at the house it was always like a pretty fast machine for the time and so i remember they had just gotten a sony bio and it and it came with premiere pro it wasn't even pro. It was like Premiere 3. At the time, it came with the computer. The video yeah. And my parents also had a Sony camera that happened to be able to... It was digital, so you could digitize your, your films into the, into the computer over Firewire. Like, this is way back then. And that was my kind of foray, foray into that visual side. Like... It just so happened that the computer had the software. Well, and, and for listeners, the the visual side of the band is really interesting from my perspective as a as a product designer up in the, the Bay Area and, and a very different type of creation in tech. I look at y'all's branding and it is so well done in a way that I think m- many people would look at just the spacings and the letters and maybe they'd get a glimpse of like, hey, that's different. I don't know if I like it or not, but that is different. And then you look at everything that you do, including the recent branding where it's kind of circular letters. It's and, and then very basic level, you know, basic font. It's it's this super interesting to me. I'm yeah. a total nerd out. It's this really interesting interplay between so basic, you've seen this a million times, the actual font mixed with I'm gonna space the letters out in this weird way that you've never seen before. And it leaves a real imprint. I remember when I saw y'all's name listed for the first time in Spotify. And and that's probably, I bet a, a lot of listeners have also seen the all caps Arizona with spaces in it. And it it kind of just stops you for a second to, <laughs> because it's at one, you know, familiar and completely foreign same time. And that's by, you know, that doesn't happen on accent. It's really well yeah. done. Yeah. So I went to school for television, right? Mm-hmm. And where'd you go to school? Emerson College in Boston. Mm-hmm. And from there, I realized I didn't really want to make like serial episodes. Um, I ended up getting a job in uh, at a post-production shop that was only doing advertising. 
And so we lived in, we were making national TV commercials, um, stuff like uh, Olive Garden, TJ Maxx, McDonald's, mm-hmm. Subway, like. Uh, and did you think that was the future? So did you kind of at 18, 19, 10 years ago, did you leave music behind in some, some it, form or in, fashion? In a way, I left music because I was like, I can't go to LA right now and chase that dream. And as a musician, I didn't feel like I, as, as a musician and also needing to go to school, I just didn't feel like I had the chops at that point to like be a pro musician. And so I made this conscious decision to pursue television. Cause I was like, well, you could, you could do audio stuff. You could do visual stuff. You could do storytelling in this medium so i'll be able to kind of touch all of it and then going into advertising i kind of just fell into that like i found this job while i was in college and um kind of right place at the right time sort of thing i started filling in for for a friend of mine and he ended up having to move so all of a sudden i had these projects to do in advertising and i kind of just had started having clients right away um so and that was after college or and that was like during college yeah Um, in boston in boston yeah so i would stack my classes tuesday thursday and take clients monday wednesday friday um hustler yeah yeah. and and at that point in time we were in an interesting point in post-production where i my bread and butter was after effects but i could also edit and so um, I had carved a unique position for myself in the Boston scene to be able to do both. Yeah, what was that? Panache. Okay, and um, and they were like legendary in Boston. They were like the first people to ever have an Avid, um, which is like a digital, uh, digital like editing workstation. Video editing. Yeah, just, and right. and so. Uh, we were just working on commercial clients and I think sooner than later they they realized, oh, we don't have to go to multiple shops to get graphics done with the cut. We could go to you and your one-stop shop. And You as in you, Dave, or as me, in... Me or uh, even just our Pinoche. whole group because okay. they knew that I would work with the editors yeah. and vice versa. Okay. And Well, then before you connect 10 years ago to today, I want to go through each of oh, you, yeah, which is yeah. where you were 10 years ago. And so, then, I mean, and that's basically... Gonna, and then we'll connect. Yeah them okay so that's, that's basically that but that's where like i honed in that sort of all of that was 10 years ago. graphic sort of side it, it's just like working with as one piece of the puzzle in creating ads yeah i i kind of started observing what like creative directors and, and art directors do and even though that was never my and do you plan out the visuals for the the live shows yeah yeah wow so yeah it, for for listeners if you see y'all live and and you guys played back-to-back sold out shows in sf recently and it was it was awesome to see both and yeah the visuals were it's i mean it, it's a show it is a, it is an awesome show from the music uh to the uh, there's a lot of improvisation uh, all the way to really cool just amazing visuals um okay we'll connect the yeah, two yeah. in a second yeah we'll connect it i'll, uh, I'll pass and, it down yeah there we go so zach 10 years ago where were you at, how old were you what city were you in and uh yeah take us to that place I was 2009 i was um 
I'm a year younger than, than Dave, so he was the grade above me in school. Um, Ten years ago, uh, you know, I was like 17, 18. Uh, man, I don't know. It, the, long, the long and short of it was basically I was I was in between three options in my life. One of them is, is at the time, was like the most desirable for me. It's what I'd sort of planned my, my whole life and what I'd like worked for, which was um, the military, right? So like I was going to be a naval aviator. Like I was going to go fly like F-18s. Like it's what I wanted to do like my whole life. Um, what, where did that come from? I don't know. I just like my, my father was in the military. Um, he was a ranger in Vietnam. My mother almost was in the military, um, but medical stuff like prevented her from doing it. But then she did, you know, she like remained sort of close to that world. Like she was in emergency services afterwards. Um, and even my father, like after after the war, like he became uh, so like he. Uh, he, like his trade his trade when he got home he like got like a psychology degree but didn't really do anything with it i think at, at the time um i don't really know this stuff for sure i just kind of just like what i know from him growing up but like he got like a, like a psychology degree and then ultimately kind of ended up in like construction and like pipe fitting so he was like a he's a pipe fitter for like basically the rest of his life kind of on and off trade wise but he also for a good amount of years was a police officer he was like a fireman, like a volunteer fireman. Uh, he was like the president of the fire department in our town for like a long time. Um, wow. Service and, of all kinds. Yeah. And like my uncle was like a huge, like my uncle's like a huge, like aviation geek. Like he's always loved like planes, like historically and even like, you know, modern day, whatever. And um, I don't know, like, you know, you see Top Gun as a kid and you grow up around like semi kind of military family or whatever. And like, so yeah, like I was in the sneaky desk growing up, like as a teenager, I moved around quite a bit. Like I moved, like I was with my dad sometimes, um, at, like when he was overseas, like in the British islands. And then like, as my mom sometimes here in the States and like, were they, the were they divorced or were they, were they ever yeah, married? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they like officially got divorced like way later, but they were separated for like a long time. Yeah. Like they separated when I was like relatively young, my mother got super sick and then like, so, so basically where I was 10 years ago, the reason I kind of touched on some of this stuff is because where I was 10 years ago essentially was kind of a stalemate <laughs> throughout my, my teenage years. Like my life was kind of the same way for like a, a long time where like it was kind of really rough because my mother was super sick. Um, Can I ask what? what, what yeah, life? no, of course. So like my mother has like, it's like a genetic thing, right? It's like a genetic disorder, but like it's kind of an offshoot of something that's more common. Like if you look up this one thing, it's like, oh yeah, like it's this. But she has like an offshoot of it that like maybe I think was documented like couple times ever. Like if you Google her thing, which like I'm going to butcher it. But if you Google her thing, like like the pictures that come up are her hands, like a flesh eating kind of thing. Oh, man. That happens sometimes. Right. But it doesn't happen all the time. So like you could see her and she's a she's a tough chick. Right. So like my mother is like whatever so like you wouldn't know but then sometimes it, like when it happens it's crazy so you know and what, would you mind just what is what is the what is it like or just yeah so so the main thing if you look it up right if you look up the thing that is more common is sweets disease right so basically it just starts like a little i don't know like a boil or a little small injury mm -hmm. and typically it's triggered by like puncture wounds right like if you get a puncture wound it'll it'll sort of trigger it right but sometimes just like it just happens like you'll get like a little thing and sweets disease i think it happens like across the whole body and it's like a flesh eating disease it's just like it'll oh, it'll wow. happen and then go away and then happen and then go away whatever 
Um, but her thing is kind of restricted to like that. It happens like on, on her hands mostly sometimes on like a leg or an arm, but mainly the hands were the big thing growing up. But, um, but not only does it, does it affect her like physically and topically, but it also like, it, it'll like infect your bloodstream and start shutting your organs down. And as she gets older, like it's like an immune system thing and like, it's just tough. So like, but, but we didn't really have a whole lot of money or advantage or anything growing up. So, and I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to make it sound like not as bad as it really no, was. No, I would just like for, to just for I the just sake not, of like not doing that right now. But like, it was fucking bad. Like, well, I would like I, if you're okay with she the was, premise of the podcast, you yeah, know, below dude, the line, yeah. and and maybe a lot. I imagine like for Fuse, they're like, hey, let's just stay above the line. But for the, the listeners that really want, a friend of mine said, can you ask for specifics when people? Oh so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you well, mind building out just what? Yeah, what you I mean, mean by, essentially, it wasn't like. It wasn't like I didn't have like present parents or anything. I didn't live with my dad all the time, but like he was cool. Like I didn't, you know, my dad was fine, but I was with my mother most of the time, right? Because he moved, we were in New Jersey, but then he moved and then I'd go spend some time with him. Like he was in Florida and then like the British Islands and overseas and whatever. But then my mother was home in Jersey. So basically like my, my mother was, I don't know, like she was a great parent. Like it was, there was no, you know what I mean? But there are certain things that, like, you can be a great person that would make you a great parent to, like, learn from. But at the end of the day, like, not having enough money just in general, even if she's working. Because she was. Like, she was sick, but she was still working. Like, she was, you know what I mean? Like, she did everything she could. And then, like, I would I would work really young, like, you know, with, like, family friends and stuff, trying to pick up work here and there, like, construction stuff and, and whatever and uh yeah i mean you just like as a kid you end up like skipping school all the time you end up being up at five in the morning you end up not sleeping ever because you have to like drive her to like the hospital sometimes um when it gets like crazy and then like you miss school or just whatever like life is just crazy it's just hectic right like so many so many different like <laughs> versions of like the stress hormone get introduced to your brain Right. so young when it's being formed that you just kind of don't really know what's like supposed to be or what's not supposed to be and whatever and like you just kind of take it with a grain of salt I suppose you're just like well you know whatever we'll see what happens in life and I think that my whole thing growing up was like I enjoyed music because my mother was a was a musician growing up she played like 20 instruments oh, yeah. she was like drum captain in high school played like the upright bass whole bunch of crazy shit my father was like a prolific horn player, like a crazy really? horn player. Yeah, know You know, under all the other stuff they did, they were musicians as well. So that's where my exposure to music came from. So like, you know, same thing with Dave. There was like a keyboard around. So I picked it up and I also, same thing with Dave, like long and short of it. I just, I got very interested in the technical aspect of it because I loved computers because my uncle by trade was like a IT whatever professional so like he was always building like gaming computers for me and whatnot and for listeners like, there you know the guys are touching on their technical capabilities and 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 i think the reason is you guys are phenomenal producers as good as you are on any analog instrument um y'all are i would say for my limited exposure um but enough exposure, I would say y'all are even better produce. Y'all are phenomenal producers, meaning that it's the, uh, you know, using the computer as the instrument as much as any other. I was going to say, instrument. like, half of it is, a, is an ear for music, but the other half is just being good at computers. Getting a computer to do what you want it to do so that it comes out accurately, you know, as to what your vision is. But, like, we, we've always loved tech in our, in our own ways. We've always loved music in our own ways. But it's funny how 
those weren't the things that you grow up imagining you're going to do because it's just not something, I mean, that's, you know, for what I guess should be obvious reasons. Like even if you have a completely walk the line within the circle life, it's still not necessarily feasible. And if you, if you, you know, if you get one notch below like normal, regular shit is cool life, it's not even possible. It's like good luck. You know what I mean? And some of us What do you mean by that? I like, think I know what you mean by <clears throat> like if you have if you have if you have like married parents, dual income, no crazy issues at home, you have a dinner table to eat on, you go to a good school, you live in a good town, you're not moving, you've had the same room your whole life, and you have those advantages, it doesn't make you like a shitty person and like, oh, you don't understand what people go through. But what I'm saying is is like you have more advantage to kind of do what you want with your time and with your life and things seem more possible to you because you're like, well, why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways. Um, but even then, if you were like, cool, I'm going to do music or like when I grow up, I'm going to be a, you know, whatever, like an artist or producer, like even then people will look at you like that's not necessarily feasible. Like you can try, but it's not something that's smart to pursue. Right. You can do that for two years on exactly. your parents doll, but that's not very feasible versus and then right and then you like you have. start you start removing some of those comforts and qualities of life from the equation and then you are the child growing up in that and you're like staring life in the face and like you're kind of about to go at it in the ring with life and you're just like okay there are a couple punches that I just won't land here like no matter what because I'm getting in I'm getting in the ring late I'm definitely not as like well fed. Like I don't, you know what I mean. Like there's mm-hmm. just some things that don't seem possible. The farther down that rung that you, that you, that you get or whatever. Um, so obviously, as people, we always, you know, we're attracted to it and we loved it and it did something for us, probably because of our exposure to it and what we thought of it as. But like Dave, you know, who had and and Nate, like we all had like these weird other pursuits that were something that you know, or were things that gave stuff to us. And so 10 years ago, I was kind of at that crossroads where I spent my whole year, um, I, excuse me, my whole sort of span of teenage years, like um, in uh, like military programs, junior programs. And then as I got older, like 17, 18, like started, you know, entertaining, like training with the like, uh, like we would do training with like the reserve units that were at the, the base that we would do stuff on or whatever. And like, I was positive. I mean, I had enough years in that in some of those programs to where if I joined, it would be like accelerated for me, whatever. Um, you know, I had definitely, I definitely done a lot of like simulations and like brief trainings and a lot of courses and stuff like that. And like, it was kind of the one thing where like I was failing in school up until I dropped out, right. At like 16, left high school. And, uh, you, you dropped out at 16, dropped out of high school, beginning of junior year. Yeah. Because, the school system that I was sort of in, like during me dealing with my mother's stuff, they just kind of looked at me as like lazy and kind of a troublemaker and didn't give a fuck. And like, they weren't wrong. I, I was and still can be lazy. And I was and still am kind of a troublemaker. And I didn't and still don't a lot of the time give a fuck. So like, they're, they're not, they weren't wrong. They weren't wrong about that. But like, they also didn't fast forward 10 years and see me literally a month before Arizona took off and rolled to become a history teacher. Like, I love education. It's like right. the most important thing in the world. And how much of it is uh, self-fulfilling if some <laughs> if you're told that at 16, uh, the next 13 years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude, it's just path. like you, you just grow up with people giving you their their version of who you are. So, like, the only two things I had were, you know, Dave and I were in that same town. I met PJ that he talked about our mentor. I met him because 
down the street from his house was the studio and across the street from the studio was the little apartment above the bar in town that my mother and I lived in. So you meet, you know, I met PJ just being in town. I knew Dave and they knew each other. So like I started interning with PJ. The two things I had were like once a month, I'd go to drill, right? And I would do training there and then music. That was it. Music was obviously not going to be it. Really? It's so, you know, at 16, 17, out of school, you had drill training Mm -hmm. and and music. Yeah, you actually had a fair amount of free time for... Well, no, because in between that free time, you're either... I was either trying to get better at music or I was like helping, trying to help out as much as I could, you know, with with my mother or whatever. And like... And when you say getting better at music, what... Walk me through exactly what what you were doing at sixteen seventeen. I, I mean, you know, my hobby was computers, so I'd build you know computers all the time, and uh, eventually, like, and Dave actually was the one that kind of like would hook it up because, like, you know, we weren't like we said we were rival interns, like we wanted the same st- stuff, so we like were frenemies in a way where you know we were we were homies, right? And we'd hook each other up, but it was always like we were just trying to get ahead sometimes, and and like, but Dave was a dude that gave me a reason. Reason three yeah. on like a burn CD, you know, so I could like make beats on the computer and like, you know, I was just trying to hone that. I was like, I really enjoy sitting at the computer, but also making music and putting them together and like learning that I can make something from scratch, right? Like a kid that really doesn't have many opportunities to make something from nothing. I can sit down at this computer and I can do that. I can make something from absolutely nothing. And that felt good for me, right? And so the only other aspect of my life that I was able to achieve that in was, you know, the idea of the military because it was just like, I'm, you know, I'm nothing right now, but I go through these things and then I can, I'm a fucking fighter pilot. Like that's the most something you can get out of nothing, right? So, and especially because it requires so much, like it's not about just like being badass and cool at like driving a plane. Like it's not like that. It's not a car. It's like you have to be smart. You have to like go through crazy amounts of training and intense shit. So it's a lot. It's a big challenge. So I wanted to do that. And then I found that I was colorblind <laughs> after like just like years of like simulations and like a bunch of other shit and training and like learning stuff and like doing well. And like even the officers that I was like, whatever, when I was that, like they were like, dude, you'd be fucking sick. You just got to get your grades up and pay more attention in the courses. But like as a pilot yourself, like you'd be fucking great. Obviously, you have a knack for it. And when we talk about talent, like that was kind of my original talent was like tech stuff and computers, but then also flying. Like I would do simulations as like a young kid and people would be like, yo, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, and also I knew a lot about aviation history because of my uncle. So like I was there at that age where I was like, cool, I can do this full time now. I can enlist full time and not do it once a month. And now I can like actually, you know, go to whatever I can join the Navy, go to Great Lakes. I can fucking do my stuff and end up in Pensacola, Florida. I can go to OCS, whatever I need to do. And like, I can do this. And then I found that I was colorblind and I just knew it wasn't gonna happen. So the only the other the other thing I had was music and Dave and I, you know, um, got back in touch, became great friends. He was up in Boston, like he said. And I just, you know, we hung out one day randomly and we had a little hang sesh after years of kind of floating around. And uh, we made some music that day and caught up on tips and tricks. And we were like, yo, we had so much fun just making music together. And like you're doing, you know, kind of artsy shit in Boston and that's cool. And my life kind of fell apart a little bit in one way. And my father wants me to either just go join the the army and go to ranger school, which I mean, I was down for maybe, or join the union and become like a pipe fitter and make some good money and then still pursue music on the side or whatever. But I just like the idea of doing larger than life shit because like I was just given 
so little of an opportunity that I was like, if I'm going to do something here, like I'm going to do something crazy. Cause like you don't help keep your mother alive for like so many years to just put it down and coast. Like you need to be pushed. Mm-hmm. You need to be pushed, you know? And like, if life's going to let off and that front row seat to the fragility of, of life, it sucked. So it was just like, if I'm going to do it, let's fucking do it. So Dave and I had this same sort of approach because Dave came from that kind of life too, where it's like, it was very possible that it could have ended up safe. You know, there are a lot of safe options to take, but Dave ultimately, I guess it's the thing in the brain or whatever it is, was like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> really? Was it, it is Dave you know, part of the soul of that or the nuclear core of that? Let's go really big with this. Yeah, was absolutely. It a combination of, Be- of because he was the only, because he was the only motherfucker that would entertain my stupid ideas. Because it gave him something that was exciting and it gave me somebody to be like, cool, I'm dragging you with me. Let's go. And like we 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 came together and we balanced each other so well because it was just something that we were like, cool, let's start producing music and let's start developing artists. We'll do the music. You can do all the fucking tech stuff and the design and the blah, blah. We were talking at 17, 18, essentially, you know, what we didn't call then. But now we'd call a fucking development company like we're like an artist development firm. Right. Of course, we were completely not well-versed enough to do that, but the idea was there. And I think that that spirit led all the way through us kind of, you know, being in Boston and trying it out. We had some homies we'd produce stuff for, and that's how we met Nate, because Nate was up there with in Boston as well, he'll tell you. But um, And do you mind, just for for yeah. uh, the listeners, what is a development company? Artist I mean, it's essentially company. like, you know, it's like, it, it's a building that has a couple different departments, you know? It has an A&R department, which are the people that tell you when the song is good enough or not and what it could use and what it maybe needs more of because they're like a third party. They have a extra ear. And a lot of the times it's bullshit. We've been lucky. We've been stuck with A&Rs. We've actually been really cool people. So like they have a good sense of things. Right. But um, it's a up in the air job. You know, but some do people, they work whatever. with kind of a raw uh, artist and say, OK, we're going to develop you yeah. to. Yeah live gigs around the country and let's go through this entire path together yes in the development sense yeah it's it's like a it's like an incubator okay like in to use the uh the tech sort the, of the, the silicon valley sort of it's like a yeah like the closest thing i would say is uh that i've ever seen on that side is like a like a mass challenge um where like they'll just take these startup companies and grow them because there's more resources pulled together mm. um it's like w- you have an artist that's that's you can see it's it's seed mm-hmm. that's that's what it yeah is, right? you can see the, and then, so the you potential it and make sure that it's fertilized and all that right. stuff right and, and that's that's kind of what you do as a as an artist developer it's like for us we never saw ourselves as the artist but we always saw ourselves as having the skill to put something together right and, and so and that's what well okay so yeah uh, not this. I don't. Well, let, we'll wait for kind of uh, the ten years to to right now. So let's pause that right uh, for right. a second. That's where we were, though. That's the idea we had, okay. and then Nate was just his roommate. So like we all came together because he yeah. was doing music, and we all came together on that idea finally. And we were like, let's let's put music and you know uh, like the startup model and and design and all of these different skills into one thing, and we can do the job that a lot of companies in the music industry try to do but we could do it better it's so fascinating that that is and i wonder if it came from your exposure to agent the agency life to where you're like well let's not be the artist but let's help develop the artists i mean you obviously have this skill set to become the artist but mentally you're you're choosing to help develop artists so that 
Okay, we're gonna come back to that in a second. All right, yeah. Nate. But that's where we were at. <laughs> that is uh, that is awesome. Okay, Nate. Ten years ago, two thousand nine. What is what is Nate up to? Oh, I'm seventeen. Uh, I also dropped out of high school. Fun fact: David's the only one who's ever graduated anything. God, dude, playing it so safe. Dave, playing it so safe. God, have some courage, man. Okay. Man, I was just jamming. Like music's always been such a huge part of my life. Like I don't remember a point in time where like I wasn't playing or I wasn't like performing. Um, so I'm like 17. I'm like in a bunch of different bands with my friends, like playing everywhere, going to shows everywhere. Like, up in Boston? No, I'm in Jersey. Okay. I grew up in Jersey. That's right. And uh, and how did you get connected to them oh, I in Boston? So I went to college in Boston. I went to Berkeley College of Music. Wait, you dropped out of high school, but then went to Berkeley. Yeah, I took my GED, and they didn't require SATs, <laughs> so it was like, so it's actually the only wow. school I applied to. Because like when I was, you know, I've always been playing music. When I remember, like when I was thirteen, my mom asked me, "So, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life?" I was like, "I don't know. I think we really, to use your term, chal. Chal, chal is a word really, I'm trying to get started. I think really, chal to just like have a van and like you know drive around and play music everywhere." The story goes, because my sister, my mom will contest this, but my sister told me later that night that uh, my mom cried herself to sleep. What? <laughs> yeah. And you were 13 just saying this, maybe kind of like... Yeah, she was like, what do you want to do? I was like, uh, all I really want to do is play music. And it's like, that was me, like, you know, 15, 16, and my parents were so like, oh, so like, what do you want to do? Like, you want to go to school? Like, my dad really wanted me to go to like, for engineer, like computer engineering or something. And I'd just be like, nah, I don't think college is for me. I just like, you know, I want to play music. That sounds more fun. And then I got into um, a little more audio engineering stuff because uh, my teacher who, my music instructor, I started taking lessons from him when I was like about eight or nine. And I took lessons from him all the way up until I was about 17 or 18. And he was a Berkeley College of Music graduate. So he was and for listeners, it's one of the best music schools in, in the country, in the world. So he was like, you know, you should look into like Berkeley if you are interested in like audio engineering. Like they have like one of the best audio engineering programs there. And that to me sounded like this happy compromise between everything I wanted to do and like taking all the pressure off of like having my parents down my throat about going to school. So I was like, cool. Like if I'm going to go to college, it's this is the only college I want to go to and it's the only program I want to do. And if I don't get into it, I'm not going. So and it was for the audio engineering. It wasn't even for guitar. Well, no, or... I have. So you had to apply to get into school. You had to audition. I auditioned with guitar. And then after you complete a year, you can apply for the program. Mm -hmm. So actually 10 years ago, I'm getting ready for my audition. I have my audition coming up in January. So I'm like starting to rehearse and get all my stuff together for that as well. And had you put a lot of pressure on, on yourself to, to go or was it kind of like, all right, I'm checking the box by even applying? Um, for the parents I definitely at this point I definitely wanted to go because I had fallen in love with the idea of like going to a music school but I don't think it was like a make or break thing for me like if I had gotten rejected I would not have been crushed I think I would have just gone on my merry way and and I think it was Zach that touched on it earlier in the interview that Nate is the most rock and roll within the band and it's it is a it is uh true you your Nate's phenomenal at the guitar just so so amazing to watch live um and and it is you can watch youtube videos and, and see but the um when did you start on guitar and was that always your instrument no so actually i started on piano when i was seven 
Um, I'm like one of six. Lots of brothers and sisters. Where are you in the stack? Number three. All right. First boy. So I have two older sisters. So when I was around seven, I started playing piano. Um, I was originally taking fr- uh, lessons from a friend of my dad's. And one day we all get signed up for like traditional music lessons. And my oldest sister, she signs up for drums. My other sister, she signs up for guitar. And I wanted to play guitar so bad that I like go with my dad. He was like, all right, so what do you want to take? I was like, I really want to take guitar. Like, I want to take guitar. He goes, oh, well, you know, Becca's already playing guitar. Carla's playing drums. You know, what we really need is a piano player. Why don't you take piano lessons? And I was kind of like, all right. It's a Jackson Five style, like, yeah. A little tops bit, down. No, nope, you got to be this part of the band. So I took piano lessons for a while. Then after a little bit of piano, man goes, "Oh yeah, you know, Becca's killing it on guitar. You know, Carl's killing it on drums. Why don't you think about moving over to bass? So we have a bass player." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, yeah, sure." So after that, I played bass for a little bit. And then I started developing an interest in saxophone. So I actually played saxophone for a little bit. Wow. Popped on drums for a little bit as well. And were your parents musical as well? Not at all. They really? Didn't play a lick. No. They didn't That's do amazing. anything music related. But I think my dad just loved the idea of having like, he always wanted us to be like the Partridge family band kind of thing. Oh, you know? cool. Um, I didn't pick up a guitar till I was like 12. Mm-hmm. So that was like the last <clears throat> instrument I picked up. But once I picked it up, I like never put it back down. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, and we'll uh, yeah. We'll, I guess it, next, and I, I want to ask each of you about the continuation of ten years ago to today. But maybe just walk me through because of time. Walk me through um, ten years ago, all the way to today. I'm living in Boston, and as much of the below the line version as as possible. I'm I'm living in Boston and um I'm going to this small church, like really tiny. And so like every new face, you're kinda like, whoa, who that? And so one day there's this young dude there just sitting in the back, kind of being shy, and I'm like, I'm gonna say hi to this dude. So I'm like, hey man, I'm Dave. And this dude goes, hey, I'm Nate. And I'm like, cool. And I just asked him about... Guitarist yeah. for the band called Arizona. <laughs> and cool, lit- stay right there for 10 years because uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to blow up. But but literally, like, so Nate's like, I'm from Jersey. And I'm like, no way, I'm from Jersey. And wh- what year is this? This is like... Uh, this is fall 2011. Okay. Fall 2011. So it turns out, this is where the story gets crazy. It turns out Nate had gone on a missions trip with somebody that I know, right? And then we both end up at church together. From New Jersey. From New Jersey in Boston. Boston. He goes to Berkeley. I'm like, cool, dope. And we just hang out and be friends. And we end up living together in the same apartment that next school year. And is music on the radar for you in 2011 at this point? Is there still kind of like video production? I'm working full-time in video production at this point. Um, So it's not really like... I like the idea of of living with musicians. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's it's 
uh, Nate and I and a buddy of ours, Ben, we're all living together um, above this dope burrito shop in Boston. Um, and that's important because Nate at that point in time had gamed Foursquare's location <laughs> capability for checking in to your own apartment to yeah so he would check in and he became the mayor of the spot called Boloco and it became the food hookup which fueled our endeavors um yeah i just needed to to give him the plug there and also shout out to foursquare um so so we're living together and uh zach is kind of like in and out of boston so you guys have already connected at, at the, with this artist development type of project. Well, yeah, at, at this point, Zach and I we were producing our friend uh, Krista. Uh, we we had a right? yeah we had a few homies like we had our, and we our friend Shamar. Shamar yeah we had Shamar Krista we were doing stuff like that like we essentially we were just flexing the muscle we were like yo listen like let let's find some homies that we that we have that are like you know singers and writers and that that like want to do the artist things we didn't really have a passion for that we were just like we loved making stuff so can i ask why you didn't have the passion for it? when you look back now did you have the passion for it and you just kind of I, subdued I it or, or did you really not have the passion for it I, the idea of not being in the spotlight was was uh there was just something elusive about being the person in the shadows that's you also just him? Dave and I. I feel like Nate, like Nate, you definitely played in bands. Like you, you liked performing. Oh, performing is my favorite part. Like I grew up going to shows. Like I've been going to shows since I was like nine. Like you've always had. Yeah, that. I grew up like if they grew up on one side of the glass, I grew up on the other. Right. You went. Yeah, and you still do go to shows all of the time. Last week you were going to like Cheryl Crow and oh, had to bounce out. Getting canceled. Oh, yeah, okay. So okay. Um, okay, but you're you're down for any show, uh, like at all times. And Zach, I think when we met a few years ago, you had seen like three concerts in your life or something. I've still probably seen not that much many more. I just like, I don't know, man. Like, I, which I, is um, so hard to believe. Do you which, mind? Which the yeah, the first the, one, the yeah. first one, by the way, was was uh, was 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 Rob Rob Thomas and Santana. Yeah, that's a good one. And and Ma- and Macy Gray opened. And, oh God. You know, yeah, shit was tight. I think another one was like Nine Inch Nails, and the other one was uh, Katie Tunstall. And you only saw three, even but, with your fascination I with mean, music. True. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. number four this Saturday, but, but it still stands like very it was few just, shows. You know, I, I, for Dave and I particularly, I think what it comes down to, if you just want to go on this level for a second, it just comes down to the fact that like we are not people that have ever really had the psychology of being singled out, right? It's like even just from the fact that like Dave's Dave's big massively. I'm just speaking for you here, but you know whatever, fuck me. But basically, Dave's like Dave's like big massive leap into like i'm gonna do me was really just breaking the line and going to do what he wanted and it's not you know if that's if that's your crazy i'm gonna jump out of the box effort then it's like the fact that i get to even be part of a crowd doing something that no one thought i could do makes me a singular thing right and right, for me it's it was the same thing you know you grow up <clears throat> you grow up on the outskirts of life no one gives a fuck about who you are what's going on they don't even like care enough to you know inquire about why things are you know the way they are who you are what you're doing you know you're just lazy or you're just blah blah or whatever and it's like no nah, my fucking life is falling apart but yeah cool thanks for asking but anyway point is and that in the military like you just you know the idea is that you are better when you are part of a unit you're better when you're part of a unit and if that unit sucks but you can be a cool you know 
cog in the machine, cool. That's a win for you. But if you can be part of a great unit, if you can be lucky enough to find a great unit to be a part of, like a cool video production, you know, house that you actually enjoy and the people are cool, or for me, a group of friends that are at least like-minded and and like doing the same things I do, whatever, like that's enough, right? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, even better, if you can somehow create your own unit that has its own purpose and you can all play a part and you're doing something bigger than just you, then that's that's something that's even more, I think, favorable. Because at that point, what you're doing is is you're taking something that you know you're good at and you're enabling each other to do stuff that you're all good at. And then you're doing something bigger than just what you can be. So the idea of feeling like, oh, you know, I want to be an artist. It's about what I can do. It's just not part of, I think, Dave and I. Right. And and not to say that, it, you know, Nate, you felt that way either. But it just like I, I feel like Nate is an egotistic either way he's chill he's cool right. whatever i just think that like dave and i were very very weird about that whole thing but we but on it you know on the flip side we just enjoyed knowing like yo let's have a bigger thing Nah, you want to get deep about it all right asian upbringing nothing's ever good enough i never felt like i could be that person yeah oh we just got real this is below the yeah. line right here yeah like I mean, I've since reconciled with my parents about this, but it's still definitely a thing. Like growing up, it was like, David, you got an A minus, not an A or an A plus. And it's like, unless you were like the top achieving thing, you were never good enough. And this is something that like, I think that was definitely a part of why I never could see myself as the artist. And and it's actually still something that like I struggle with today. Do you deep down want to be that artist, and and, and it was removing layers to be there, or was no? It was just not even the desire wasn't even there because it was killed off by like if I ever looked forward in, in far enough to being the artist, I was like I'll never be good enough to do that. Mm. It still kind of isn't. I don't have that desire at all to be an artist. I have zero fucking desire to be an artist. Like. I don't, and I'm, I want to well, let you speak on this too, but. I, well, <clears throat> artist in the sense of how other other artists the, can be. Right. The, the dude, that's the dude for everybody. That's what I'm saying. Like, I have no desire to be like, yeah, like, I, I'm the dude. This is my shit. Everybody check me out. I did this. Check me out. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that that's something that, like, we've actually kind of remedied with Arizona. And, like, in, in the way that we are the dude just to each other. We have fun with each other. They got it. We're, we're that dude to each other like we we bring out all of that weird shit that was like either like you know oppressed or just like we, we weren't we were never comfortable with or we didn't understand or like the part of us that we never got to experience freely like we just let each other do that in each other's presence and it creates something from nothing the same way you want to talk about what was going on before 10 years ago whatever it just comes back to that. We get to create something from nothing in a comfortable way that it brings out the best of each other and it stops there. I mean, a button gets clicked and it goes to a bunch of people, but like, fuck all that, whatever, you know? It doesn't matter. And honestly, the fact that it does is, and here's where that statement, I think, is complete. That's not the full statement. <laughs> Comma. And the fact that it does, I think, is even the larger, oh my God, bonus to it. That it's like, wait, really, guys? Like, we didn't really care if anybody was liking it or not. Like, we didn't want to play that game. We just wanted to do whatever. But people are like, no, it's amazing. It changed our life. And we're like, oh, shit. 
wait, really? And then you realize that you're not alone. A lot of people are like you. And the things that you deal with, you're actually helping other people. And then you get to be like, wow, this is a responsibility of ours. People, yeah. people like it. And that doesn't feel good that they like it. It feels good that they connect with it and it does something for them. And you're like, oh, shit, that's why we do this. Right. Not to be an artist, not to get plays, not to be like, oh, wow, like, look at what we're doing. Look at what we created. It's like we are administering something to people and in a way that we didn't plan. And so we're just kind of like, OK, guys, if the equation was we're just going to let ourselves be the exhibit and then let that live in a wave file. And you guys use that exhibit as an example to help you through it. Fuck yeah, right. let's keep doing it. But it, it stops there, you know. Almost, it's it's come up on the podcast before with other creators saying that uh, they reached a point where the the actual creation wasn't a means to some other end. It was just like, okay, I'm gonna put this out there, and that's it. It's not to get something else, and it starts to resonate with people because it is, you know, as the phrase goes. It, to thine own self be true it's just true to you and it happens to resonate with others because it's very it's very rare to, i mean that's the whole point of the podcast is very rare to hear the below the line truth your lyrics you know really touch on below the line truths of of life certainly resonate with people i think because it is uh it doesn't feel like it's a ploy like a, a pop kind of ploy for for uh some other end I think that's that's where we were when Arizona came up. Right. So, okay, so we made Nate. Basically, Nate gets folded in. Oh yeah. So I was, whole, and I was going to ask. Yeah, give me Nate the above the line version. Whole, give me the above the line version yeah. of of Arizona's creation, and then the below the line version. Nate gets folded into to this little artist development thing that we're doing, and and we spend the entire like rest of the semester hanging out and and doing that, and eventually. You know, I, I graduate from, from college early. I'm, I'm still in television commercial land. Um, Zach ended up moving to L.A. Um, to work with our mentor, PJ. And when Nate graduated, he ended up in L.A. with Zach. Well, well, not, not, well not graduated. Oh, sorry, not graduated. When he dipped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he right. graduated the Berkeley way, That's which right. is not graduating at all. That's yeah. If you graduate from Berkeley, you've done something wrong, right? Like <laughs> that that's the, the, the joke at school was... If you graduated, you failed. <laughs> so well, so congrats. Nate, Nate didn't fail. Yep. Um, and, and, and it was like that. So when you say creating as a means to an end, right, that's what I was doing in Boston um, and eventually New York because um, I had moved back home was, you know, doing this thing that I loved. I loved making like I loved the act of making the commercials, but it was like I was doing it to, for the paycheck. And, and Zach and Nate were out in L.A. grinding on a whole bunch of projects that, you know, pouring their hearts out. And and it's it's at the end of the day, you're still struggling to make ends meet. You know, these two guys were living in a studio apartment together in the middle of the valley um, and like dodging their landlord Shlomi like when they, when they couldn't make that the, the rent check. So like we were we were going through that grind of doing the creative work for for the paycheck mm -hmm. and uh eventually you know the, the above the line story is like oh yeah they stayed at the studio late one night and they made let me touch your fire right and um great, i have great song though. i happened to be 
in in the the edit suite super late at night and uh, they caught me on facetime and and we tossed around the idea for you know let's make a project and this is the above the line right let's make a project and let's let's what do we call it nate is wearing an arizona iced tea hat we'll call it arizona put the spaces in it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah, it looks cool. and and eventually we're all in the new jersey area and we're all well like these two guys are like i think nate were you working like it a little bit uh, yeah so like nate's kind of got a, a little bit of a hustle zach is floating around i'm i'm still grinding out but but we're all kind of like we're tired of this and what year is this 14, 14, 15. Yeah. And then there's this conscious decision together to say, let's give this some real time. And we know that it's not going to make us money. And we know that this is simply to indulge our, that thing in our soul that we felt like we were craving, which was to create together. And when you look back, was it was that always present and ignored, or was it just at 2014 at the, just years and years of creating for other people? You're like, all right, let's just scratch this this itch. Well, so so Nate, you remember you remember when we were we we're still living in LA, and before we 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 like had a short spell where we moved to England to help our friend out with the studio before we got back to Jersey. But remember, we were, we were still in LA. And we were doing, like, how long were the days that we were working on stuff that we didn't even know we were coming in for? Oh, we'd be there all day. Easily. Yeah, I remember we'd go to the, we'd go to, like, the little diner next door at, like, 3 a.m. for coffee and go right back into, like, 5 Easy, yeah, five or six. Do you mind walking through listeners what you're actually doing? And so what we're doing is, like, we're just, you know, so, so Nate and I were basically running PJ's studio with him, right, in North Hollywood, in L.A., and people would come in, they'd say, we want to do an EP, they'd you know, have a little bit of money. We would produce and write songs from scratch for people that we just, you know, didn't know. It wasn't like a, oh, so like, who are you working with? Like, it doesn't, you know, it wouldn't matter. Like, it's not, it wasn't an industry thing. It was just people, whatever. Kept the lights on. A lot of them are really cool people, good people. We wrote some cool songs here and there. But for the most part, it was kind of soul-sucking because, like Dave said, at that point, we've, uh, for a certain amount of time, it's like, oh shit, wow, we can actually kind of make a little bit of a day-to-day job out of being creative. But then you're like, oh shit, you know, after a certain amount of other time passes, then you're like, oh shit, we made a fucking day-to-day job out of just being creative. Like it sucks because you're not being creative anymore. You're basically just figuring out how to do it that day and then go home. And you don't get to keep any of it. It's not for you. So <clears throat> um, basically what, what it really was. So Dave's version was like above the line, a little bit below the line here and there fully below the line from like one perspective of the three of us like what it was was like dude like i fucking hate waking up every day and spending 15 hours in the studio working for people that i don't know and don't give a shit about really if we're just being honest like i don't know what you're doing like it's fun to create with you for like four hours but yo the 13 hours we got to spend after that like producing and doing all the intricate stuff like it kind of becomes not worth it anymore because I'm making an amount of money that's like half my rent and he and I were both sharing a studio apartment the size of this and we weren't with Dave anymore and it just like it felt like we got so far from where we started so we're like fuck so basically we did stay that one night and opened up a jam did it for fun had a great conversation like yo we're on our way out dude we're done 
we're done. We're not doing this anymore. Like I'm going to be go, I'm going to go become a history teacher or something. We're going to figure life out. We're going to get a hold on life because again, super below the line. It wasn't like, how do we make our, you know, how do we make, you know, something work out of this? Like our creativity needs to flourish and survive. And maybe it's our artistry. It was like, dog, fuck this. Life has literally done nothing but put us in a headlock year after year after year after year, whatever. And like, I'm kind of tired of living under that. Like my goal here is not to be an artist or to create stuff. That's fun. We love that. We know that. We can talk about that all day. The goal was like, let's get ahead. Let's win. Right. We're going to die at some point. We were born earlier than that. We're in the middle right now. Let's fucking let's win. Let's put some points on the board, please, so that we can have a family and a normal life and a dinner table at some at some point. And we blinked and we weren't 17. We're like 24. And we're like, OK, still young, but that goes by fast. Let's just get something on the board. And so uh, we said before we completely go into that world and say whatever, let's let's give it a hurrah, though. Let's give it a last hurrah. Like, yo, this is fun. Let's get together. Let's do one last fucking crazy idea of a project, right? One last crazy idea. And it's not for money. It's not producing people. It's not making everyone else the idea. You and I and the homies, like, we're going to get together. I'm living in, like, my aunt's place and Nate's back at the crib and Dave's working and coming home after work, whatever. Like, we're going to get together in your basement and we're going to make, like, four or five more songs just for us. No questions asked. And everyone was like, cool, fuck it. Why not? We got the summer. Let's take the summer to do it. And we said, you know, we at least owe it to ourselves. We've done it for so long. We've never done it for ourselves and see what that felt like. We're all, you know, we're all capable, right? Like we can, I can sing enough to melodyne the fuck out of it. Dave's an amazing fucking keyboard player and fucking producer. And, you know, Nate is just like literally creativity embodied. So like between the three of us, like we can make something cool and it'll be fun. So we did. And then two months later, Jake found us. Another month later, he posted online. And then we got huge on Spotify. And now we're sitting here talking to you. And it's uh, so, an amazing below the line. That's about as below the line as it's going to get. We're cutting a lot of shit out. But I mean, like, essentially, if you want to know really what it was just for us as we know it on the couch, like, that's it, dude. And so it's been the most fun thing. But it's also been like, the, the idea is still the same. That's why we talk about it like a startup, which is, you said it's interesting, but that's why most people don't. We do because our idea is like, cool, we found it as more than just a day-to-day job. It influences people in the world. It does good. It does good for us. We don't have to make too many sacrifices personally because we are just best friends creating and bringing out the best in each other. But at the end of the day, it's like we've turned it into a real operation. So let's run it like one. Let's not pawn it off and hire people. Like let's let's treat this like a business. And we can turn it into a bigger, more influential, greater thing in the world at some point. Maybe it does become an artist development thing. We sail the Arizona flagship. It makes it to the fucking new world. And then we go back and build chips for other people and say, come on, you know, uh, maybe we'll get that right at some point. We didn't then. We don't have it yet now. We're still figuring ours out. But that's the idea. Maybe at some point. But doing things that are bigger than us is what is what does it for us. And um, <clears throat> making music was bigger than us when we decided to start Arizona. And then as it became what it did, if if it wasn't bigger than us, if it was just like, yeah, cool, this one song was great, do that 10 more times, make an album out of it and do it again 10 more times and blah, blah, and just feed the market, we would have not done it. We would have burned out and that's it. But luckily, exactly the equation that we had that made it what it was for us resonated with people. So it became something even bigger than what was bigger than us. And now it does stuff in the world that we don't even take credit for because it's just like music is for people, you know, so... The way it's for us, it's for them. And, you know, if they can hear it, if they like it, then great. And if it helps them, good. It does the same thing for us. 
and um that's kind of where it where it stopped like thought process wise you know and even today even now like that's just kind of how we make decisions well we were we were getting dinner the other night and you were saying something interesting around um the inflection point you know you get the question pretty often as artists when did you make it and you know the answers that people probably have in their minds or the the imaginative answers would be like what is it like at a billion streams or you know main stage at, at coachella but what is when you get that question you said something really interesting uh last week what was that inflection point in, and when did you feel like you quote unquote made it? And when you get that question, what's the real answer that you, that you feel like giving? Oh, there's the thing that you want to, yeah. You know, okay. So literally it's literally just that it's like when we got together and finally decided like, let's do this right. Just for us. And then we like made a couple songs like over the course of like a week or a few weeks, whatever it was, like we had some ideas together. Um, we didn't mind like our lives were kind of in shambles and we didn't mind that we didn't know what the fuck was going on because like we sat down and we had nothing else going on for those parts of the day and we dedicated that to like just being with each other and being like yo listen like what what song do you want to write today dave or yo like nate why don't you pick up the guitar and lay some shit in here real quick and there's nobody in the back of the room there's nobody whatever like it's just us right <clears throat> what do you want to do let's do that and then so we would. It wasn't playing Madison Square Garden or, no, or some dude, moment like that. Uh, listen, from like, you're going to get different answers from all of us, and I, I can keep it nice and compact by saying, like, all of us have a great appreciation for that, and it is a dream. It is a dream, right? It's a dream to be like, oh fuck, wow, you played a huge thing, and it's amazing, and blah blah, and like, dude, it's great. I also, and I'm keeping all of our super left and super right opinions out of it and trying to keeping it in the middle here because I know all of us essentially like it's amazing and wow, holy shit. But at the same time, it's like, it did, we didn't, you know, we don't need it at all. We don't need it at all. You know, you can go back and erase that moment in history and it wouldn't fuck with any of us. It's just like, cool, dude. Like, cause the next day we still came in and did this, you know? So at the end of the day, if you're going <clears> to, <throat> if you're going to really call it something, I think it's just like the moment that we really made it was the moment that we sat down all together in a room with no one else there and made something from nothing that day and we like were able to listen to it and be like shit we we did that the three of us did that no reason other than like man that felt good we had fun we're achieving something um that is a goal that we all share and it's a very very personal in a small bubble goal and that's like, let's just be creative with each other. Let's make something real out of it. The whole world can do it. Why can't we? We never did, but why can't we? Oh, we can? Cool, let's do it real quick and then we'll get on with our lives. And so the second we did that, I think that was over. it was over for us. Like the, the battle was over. Now it's just a day-to-day -day making it work, right? Making it work in the world. But making it work in us, it was just that. Can we get together and can we pull it out of each other and can it feel good? And is it going to be what we think it's going to be? And Dave's Basement, 15. I mean, that day came and went and nothing else is going to touch that title. Like, that's already done. That's spent. That box is checked already. So from here on out, the main stages are tight. MSG is tight. We were opening. But if we ever go back and you know, headline it, like, they're milestones. But, like, they're not the stones you need to step on to get across the river. You know what that's, I mean? Yeah, it's fascinating. <clears throat> yeah, that's not the version that you usually hear. It's... It's usually like, oh, I got in the car and I heard shit, heard the song, my my song on the radio. The um, 
people take it, it wrong. Yo, I will say that like hearing your song in the mall is weird. <laughs> It, it, like it happened. Yeah. What? Yeah. What is the blow yeah. line version of that? I, obviously, he, not many people like ever experience that because you hear it and you're like, oh, like what? We hear our music only in a very particular set of context, which is in your studio, when you're checking a mix in the car, and then playing it live, right? And you never listen to your music indirectly, meaning it's never on in the background, and you never hear it in public or for leisure so to hear it in public in a passive way like in the atmosphere is really strange because you're like because you can no longer not pay attention to it and at the same time you want to pay no attention to it because what do you mean because you're like i've heard this a million times and it's in the background and I don't want to have to think about it critically. Like it's this tension in you that's like, I've heard it so many times and I don't want to keep analyzing it. And at the same time, you're like, yeah, like it's kind of cool, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. That's yeah. That, I can't imagine how, how weird that would be. Um, the, well, the last question that I have for you, for you guys is tell me a little bit about the, below the line version of, of you all today. So we touched on a little bit the business, making it work. It's There's the making it work for you all and then making it work for the world. Maybe build that out a little bit more and what it's like for for listeners that that will may never know what it what it is truly like to be a, you know, rock star musicians playing festivals and and you never get to hear the below the line version of this stuff. What what is the below the line version of being Arizona today in so, 2019. I want to. I'm just curious as an experiment. Nate, let's just lead this off. Give us the intro here. Like, what what would you start this with? What's it like to be me now? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I wanted to do this. <clears throat> um, in all honesty, Arizona has given me the chance to have like real life and like real chances and. Me today is just learning how to navigate that and like learning how to navigate how to like be a person who can actually have a normal life, which is probably like the least rock star thing to say. Damn. Oh, wow. I'm glad I, I'm glad I gave that to you because quite. Where were you going to take it? quite honestly? I know that like I was going to take it to like what it means to basically run a band like a fucking startup or like a whatever. Basically. Dave runs it like a startup. I run it like a fucking military unit. And like and Nate's Nate, answer, yo, Nate's, no, 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 but 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 Nate's answer is what I would amend mine to. I, Nate's answer is at the core of all of it, straight up, because it's just like Arizona has given me a fucking dinner table, I have a house. You know, I don't own that shit. I'm renting it, but we're getting there, right? Call me next year, but like. But, I, but, you know, I have a house, you know, it's like I fucking have a beautiful at some point will be wife. You know, it's like I have a fucking dog and a, and a cat and I can, you know, we have family dinners and like I take everything else, bro. Take everything else. You could say that it's all going to stop tomorrow, but you get to keep that and you can fucking take it. And because it's already done its job for me. And I think that that's funny because like we can talk about how we you know, treat the, 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 you know, band like a this or like a that or how we run it interestingly. And it's like, 
it's like not necessarily you know it's not necessarily just like a, a band to us and blah blah but we all have different ways of, of describing that right and i'm sure in other things maybe on our youtube channel or something we'll go into like you know how the tech side is run and the business side is run how we do this and how we do that and whatever blah blah but really at the end of the day what it is for us it's just like yeah we do what we got to do but honestly the the thing that is below the line these days it's my mother calling me right now. Shit. No, I know, and we're all <laughs> dog. <clears throat> I'll call her back. Um, and uh, the, the below the line for us right now is like that right here. Like my mother's safe right now. All of our parents are chilling. If they ever need any help, or anything, we got it. We have like we all have partners and lives, and like we have we have real lives. We didn't, and now we do. And it's like okay, what what do you what do you what do you want us to do tomorrow? And does it involve what we're doing right now? And just sort of the same formula. Oh, it does. Beautiful. We can do that. You know, we've been three best friends for a long time. And what we've done naturally has been what everyone has expected from us. And that's what's given us this life. So it's like, cool, let's keep it going. Because, I mean, yo, the dinner table is a nice thing, man. Dinner table is a nice fucking thing, you know, for the people that come after us. Because they will. So, like, we got another however many decades in us, right, of doing whatever. Until you start realizing that a lot of stuff that you did wasn't really for you. So it's like, if you have that kind of foresight, it's it's nice to live there for a second i guess i don't know dave do you want to add anything before we close this out on on the below the line version of you're about to go on on stage here and life is beautiful what goes through your mind as as a band member in arizona day to day i mean day to day it it is about living it is about living and i think um the funny thing about what zach had had kind of touched on was like this like uh, idea of legacy or um, future, and I think that in in a way, it's like being in Arizona is learning how to like I'm still learning how to live in the now. That also simultaneously builds the future if that makes sense like realizing that if i don't live in the present then i can't build the future i want but if i live in the, like if my head is always in the future then it's like that future will never get built you know you won't you won't be there to enjoy it if yeah exactly just only living in the future exactly and that's like that's the funny thing about it it's like in a way we're still like at least for me i know like i could have all these grand plans about like i was always taught to be that planner but here we are in vegas every day <laughs> every day is like a lesson in like take a breath and and what was it what is in front of you what is in front of you and like it's a it's proverbial literally from the book of proverbs yeah right here's some, here's some deep shit all right in which solomon had said well you don't know about this if the lord hath taken care of the birds birds surely he will take care don't of call me thee. look that's all i'm saying <laughs> if you want to get deep below the line it's just like I'm. I'm just learning how to focus on the present, which is kind of what Nate said. Which is like I'm learning how to have a normal life, and and you know, touching on what Zach said, which is like he he has this opportunity to build the future, is, and and I think that opportunity gets squandered if we don't live in the now. 
Well, well, you guys, you guys, I, I, I can't thank you enough for the, the time uh, yeah, today. And it's what, no, what it really is the least rock star answers, but the most soul nourishing answers I could think of James, when, you anytime, chat, dog. when you chat to another dog, uh, with cre- other creators. So I, I really appreciate the time today, guys. Can't wait to I stay hydrated. We've got a big day ahead of us. Cannot wait. Cannot wait uh, for the set here in a little bit. And thank you again for the time. Yo, literally, James, anytime on or off the mic, dude, let's chop it up. Thank I'm already like, when do we get to do this again? Right. <laughs> yeah. Real answers, bro. Yeah, Nate, you laid it down. You pick your spots. I always say that about you. It's, you can come across as the shy one, but no, like you pick your spots. Just firing off all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The sniper. That is so fitting. All right, guys. Well, thanks, thanks so thanks. much. Good luck today. Thank you. Hey, friends and listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to hear more of these types of conversations, go over to your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe or leave us a review, good or bad. We love hearing from people that that appreciate this type of conversation and want more of it. You can also follow us on Twitter at GoBelowTheLine, as well as see in our Twitter bio our email address for you to shoot us a note on any suggestions of guests or topics that we should cover. We read every single one, so thank you for those that have already sent those in. That's it for us today. We will see you next time on Below the Line. Below the Line is brought to you by Straight Up Podcasts.